coming up on the talk show. I previewed some of my upcoming episodes. Also, J.J. Watt signed with the Arizona Cardinals, so I talk about that. I talked about a really puzzling story that's going on right now with the Rangers forward Artemi Panarin. So I got into that a little bit and then a bunch of NBA stuff. Of course, I talked about my Knicks who are surging now. Another team that might be surging is the Washington Wizards. Also, I talked about the current state of the Celtics and Ben Simmons and his incredible defense and some other all-star stories. All that and a whole lot more coming up next on the talk show. Today's episode is brought to you by Podgo. You've been hearing all my incredible ad reads the last few episodes, and I always mention Podgo. Now, what is Podgo? So Podgo is a great service that connects podcasters with sponsors, providing ad space for us podcasters to advertise for companies like Fanatics and the NBA Store like you've been hearing. So if you're a podcaster, what you got to do is you got to go to Podgo, P-O-D-G-O dot co. Tell them I sent you. Tell them the talk show slash Rami sent you. And start today. It's the easiest way to monetize a podcast. Before we jump right in, I want to talk about a couple of things that are going to be coming up on the show. Those things are going to be coming out episodes a little bit later. The first one, I got to sit down with a Major League Baseball prospect. He's a high school senior. His name is Ellie Kligman. Now, what's interesting about him, you'd think he's just a baseball prospect in high school, right? So this kid is a religious Jew, and he keeps Shabbos, and he's very serious about baseball and about Shabbos. He's very good at baseball, and he's a legitimate MLB prospect, and he's not going to give up keeping Shabbos for his dream of playing in the major leagues. So a very fascinating interview that should be. So look out for that coming up in preparation for the baseball season. Another thing I did was I did a home and home, kind of a crossover, two episodes with the boys from Mike Knight. Mike Knight is a podcast. You can find them on Instagram, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that stuff as well. They talk about mental health and some other fun stuff. They're generally comics. They have fun. They talk about different things, pop culture. So I went on there, did a little bit of stuff with them. And then they came onto my podcast and we did a different podcast than what you might usually hear on my podcast, which was we talked about sports, movies, and foods and different things in the sports and pop culture worlds that collide. Um, And it was also in preparation for the baseball season. So those episodes are going to be coming out sometime in middle of spring training. So look out for those now into this episode. If you follow me on social media, which you should at Rami Lavi, Rami dot on Instagram, Rami underscore Lavi on Twitter, you know that exactly a year ago today was the last sporting event that I attended live. Um, It was just days before all sports were stopped completely. It was at Madison Square Garden. I'm not going to give away too many details because it was a really fun stuff. And I have some great videos that I took from that game up on my social. So go check that out now. I'll give you a minute. I'll stop talking for a second. You go check it out right now. Again, Rami.Lavi, Instagram, Rami underscore Lavi, Twitter. Pretty easy to remember, just my name. But since then, and since the last time I've talked here, the arenas have reopened. At least Madison Square Garden has... Brooklyn also, a couple other arenas. Baseball, they've been playing spring training games down in Florida. And of course, stadiums are open because Florida, you see tons of people without masks. So that's fun. Um, But maybe we could be getting back to a semi-normal summer where we're going to sporting events and stuff are open. So I haven't been back to an event since exactly a year ago from today. But I do hope that will end soon and end for everyone. So that's a good sign. That's good news. I haven't been on here to talk about that since that happened. 
there are a couple other things I do want to talk about. Now, I want to get into baseball, obviously, because baseball season's coming up. But I have those two episodes that I just mentioned earlier are both going to be very, very baseball centric. So I'm not going to talk about baseball in this episode. I'm going to talk some basketball and some other big topics that are out there in the news. The biggest of which, and one that has been reiterated plenty of times, if you listen to any sports talk radio, if you listen or watch any TV, you watch any NBA game, everyone wants to talk about the Celtics and what happened to the Celtics and what's with the Celtics and why are the Celtics underachieving so tremendously. Now, if you think about it, the Celtics are hovering around 500. They're currently a playoff team. But before a recent, I guess, hot streak, you could call it, where they strung together a couple of wins, they were really terrible. And everyone was really nervous and everyone's talking about how bad this team is. But I'm going to take you back and maybe try and understand what's going on with the Celtics. Let me take you back all the way back to their trade, the famous trade when they traded Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett and Jason Terry to the Brooklyn Nets. Now, if you go back to that trade, they were building for the future. They were trying to get rid of everyone and they brought in all these young pieces. Now, if you look at who those young pieces turned into, the pieces turned into Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, two excellent players for the Boston Celtics. But what the Celtics did as well is they built. They got Kyrie Irving, Al Horford, and gave a big contract to Gordon Hayward. They also had a bunch of great role players like Marcus Smart and Anus Cantor. Those guys are all team players. Those are players that play a significant role in winning a championship. Now, here's the thing. Kyrie was inconsistent. He barely played. The team was better without him. He wasn't a team player. How did they know? How would they have known that that was going to happen? Gordon Hayward gets hurt in his first game never looks himself, comes back this year and looks incredible. Al Horford leaves. Now you're left with Brown and Tatum. Now, Tatum is still coming into his own. And what the Celtics thought they would do is, okay, we'd lose Kyrie and Terry Rozier. And don't forget Terry Rozier, because we're not going to pay Terry Rozier that much. We'll get Kemba Walker for around the same price, right? We're losing Kyrie and losing Terry Rozier, but we're getting Kemba Walker. Now, At the time, that made a lot of sense, but Kemba is a shell of himself. He's not the same player that he was. Now, like I said, Jason Tatum is still coming into his own. He doesn't take over games, but he's going to be a great player. This is the first year that really Jalen Brown has broken out and turned into maybe a great player that he can be. But to say that coming into the season, you expected Jalen Brown to break out the way he did or Jason Tatum to even take the step that he did, you couldn't have predicted that. So you're going to tell me that the team is so much worse because Kemba is not producing? Yeah, you would have thought Kemba would produce more than he's producing currently. But still, this team is just not good enough right now, right? And it has nothing to do with the players on it or the moves that that they made about the roster or the decisions that the coaching staff is making in-game. Jason Tatum is about as good as we could have expected him to be this year. Jalen Brown is exceeding all expectations. Yes, Marcus Smart is hurt, so we haven't seen a lot of him. And there's the Kemba Walker situation, and it really comes down to that. They need a point guard. The two players they have are wings slash forwards, who are great shot makers, but they don't really create for anyone else. They don't create their own shot in big situations. Neither guy is a guy that you're going to see take over a game late in games, although, let me tell you, Jason Tatum is incredibly clutch. But you need that guy. You need that point guard to facilitate for you, and they don't have it right now. Losing Terry Rozier, losing Kyrie Irving. Now, Kyrie Irving has looked great ever since James Harden showed up in Brooklyn, but I wouldn't want to deal with that head case, that mess in this Boston situation as it currently is. Yeah, with KD, with Joe Harris, with James Harden. Yeah, Kyrie's great. Remember, he wasn't that in Boston. He wasn't great. And he wasn't even that in Brooklyn a week ago or 
two months ago before James Harden showed up. So that's not necessarily something you want back. What you want is Kemba Walker, the Kemba Walker you play, you paid for. But I don't think you're going to get that again. So let's talk about the current Boston Celtics. For the last 10 years, we've been saying the Celtics are building, right? The Celtics are coming. Why? Because they traded away those old players. They totally ripped off the Brooklyn Nets. And now they're going to be building for the future. And then they overachieved with Brad Stevens the first couple of years. Some young teams that should have been, shouldn't have been as good as they were were really good with Brad Stevens. It's like, oh my God, Brad Stevens is amazing. He puts together these teams. Just you wait till these young players come around and they come alive and we put it all together. And then they did. They signed the big free agent, which was Gordon Hayward. Tatum and Brown were already on the team. They got Kyrie Irving. They got Al Horford. Then they lose Kyrie, but okay, we got Kemba Walker. They brought it all together. This was supposed to be the team that takes it to the next step, and they never did. And we're still waiting. We're still going to be like, okay, well, now these two guys are so young. Brown and Tatum, right? And it's true. The Celtics are still building, yes. They missed a tremendous opportunity with that team, and it wasn't their fault. They put together, it's not Danny Ainge's fault. It's not Brad Stevens' fault. It's not anyone's fault. They put together the team the way they should have put together the team, but these guys weren't ready to carry a team, Tatum and Brown. Hayward was never himself, and Kemba Walker's never going to be himself, I don't think. So now you look at it, okay, we should be building for the future now. Don't try and win this year. You have two cornerstone franchise players that are in the most important position in basketball these days. They're positionless. They can play shooting guards, small forward, power forward. They're wing slash forwards, which is what everyone wants in the NBA right now. Wing forwards who can play defense and can shoot. And they're two of the best ones in the NBA, two all-stars. So build. And it sucks for Celtics fans that you look at this current team and say, we were always saying, oh, but wait till next year. Just wait, just wait, just wait. And now it's like, okay, just wait again. But that's the situation the Celtics are in. So for all the people freaking out about, oh, the Celtics aren't good enough. Yeah, the roster's not good enough right now. But you have two players that anyone in the league would be dying to give up anything for. To start your franchise. You need to get the role pieces around them. You need to get a big man. You need to get a guard. But you have the cornerstone of a franchise. You have the building blocks. And yeah, it might take a couple years again. But I think that's what you got to do. You got to hold it out this year. Don't look at this year and say, oh my God, the Celtics are going panic. Trade either Brown or Tatum. Or try and trade for a guy who's going to help you this year and trade the future. I don't think it's worth it if you're the Celtics. Ride it out. This team will be good one day. Believe me. Another team that got off to an extremely disappointing start to the season was the Washington Wizards. Now, this team was kind of expected to be better. Russell Westbrook came in and they have Bradley Beal. And Bradley Beal's been the best version of himself. He's an all-star and he's putting up incredible numbers. Well, here's the thing with the Wizards. They were terrible. They got off to a 1-7 and star. And everyone's screaming, trade Beal, trade Beal. And you look at videos of him on the sideline and he looks depressed, right? Well, you know what? Bradley Beal is actually the only NBA superstar on a bad team in the last 10 years in a terrible situation who's not asking to be traded. So why is the entire media trading him? Don't trade Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal is the type of player you hold on to. And let me tell you something. The Wizards started 1-7, abysmal. Since then, they've been 12-12. and Not great, but it's a lot better than 1-7. 
They're 13 and 19 right now. And with the weak East, they could make the playoffs still. Ba- Bradley Beal, yeah. Is he on the sidelines? Does he look depressed when he puts up 45 points and they lose? Wouldn't you be depressed? He's not hiding in emo- any emotions. But when they ask him, he says he does not want to be traded. He wants to play in Washington. Has Westbrook been a terrible disappointment? Yeah. But this team's kind of surging now. You don't believe me? Go look at their last 10 games. Yeah, they're 7-3. and three. They lost their last game, a one-point loss to the Celtics. Okay. Prior to that, they had won 7 of 8 games. And if you look at the 5 teams they beat, 5 of the 7 wins. They came against Portland, the Lakers. They beat Denver twice and the Celtics. Their only loss in that 8-game stretch was to the Clippers. Listen, if someone throws a crazy offer at them for Bradley Beal, maybe he will get traded. Maybe the Wizards know, hey, he might be happy now, but eventually he's going to be disappointed. Because, as we know, all NBA players eventually are disgruntled, right? But I don't see them trading him away now. It doesn't make sense. Listen, I think this team can go on a run. He's that good. He can carry a team. They have some pieces around him. Maybe Denny Avdia or Bert Bertans or Westbrook gets a little spark. I don't know. But it would take so much to trade for him right now. Four first round picks. Something like that. Again, if he's disgruntled and he wants out, then we've seen what could happen. Trades start to move real quick. And even then, James Harden got a ton, right? And everyone knew he was out. They couldn't, into, they couldn't play him another game and he still got a ton. So you think it's going to be that easy to just trade Bradley Beal? Who's trading for him? Like, if you're the Celtics I just talked about, I don't think they should make a trade. What are you going to do? Trade everything you have in the future for Bradley Beal? You're still so young. That's what I talked about with the Celtics. Now, if you're, I don't know, who wants to trade for Bradley Beal right now? Maybe the LA Clippers, because they're a whole other story. But if you're the Wizards and he doesn't want to be traded or doesn't necessarily care to be traded, then keep trying to build. I think this team can actually kind of turn it around. You don't realize. 12 and 12 in the last 24 games after starting 1 and 7. They had a couple of crazy COVID games thrown in there, games that were stopped. They, they, they missed some time because of COVID. They've had a crazy season. They've been through a lot. And yet, they're not that far out of a playoff spot. It's a weak East. Bradley Beal's the type of player, if you make it in, he could win you a series. He's the type of guy who could go off for a stretch, seven games, win you a series, maybe even two. He's that good. Don't throw that away. Yeah, this season was kind of a failure. The Westbrook trade, a little bit of a failure. Not that Houston's doing much better. But don't throw everything away. Don't throw a franchise player who's this good away. Just because the media is talking about how, oh, he's a a great player in a bad situation. You have to play it. You have to trade him. I I don't agree with that. And if you're other NBA teams who see, oh, Beal on the Wizards, pathetic. Don't look now. They're surging. This Eastern Conference is weak. One of the teams rumored that, I guess it's only Nick fans rumoring that they will be trading for Bradley Beal is the Knicks. Now, Nick fans, shut up. Nick fans, you finally got what you want. Your team is relevant, competitive, fun. They're over 500. 
Why do you want to trade that? Why do you want to trade again? Sit tight. Bigger and better is coming. Yeah, is this team a championship caliber team? No. But let's talk about what the Knicks are. The over-under for them, as far as win total coming into the season by Vegas, was 22. 22 games, which would be 22 and 50 in a 72-game season. Now, a lot of people took the under. The Knicks have 18 wins in their first 35 games. That is incredibly overachieving. I don't need to explain that to you. The Knicks are over 500 to end February for the first time since 2012-13 when they went to the playoffs, won a playoff series, and lost to Indiana in six games. This team has exceeded expectations. For the first time, a Nick team has exceeded expectations in about 15 years. That's incredible. Enjoy what you have. My father pointed out to me the other day, he was like, hey, mark your calendar. I was like, what are you talking about? March 15th. I was like, okay, what's March 15th? Knicks are playing the Nets. And then he said to me, when was the last time you were marking your calendar and so excited, anticipating a Knicks game, a regular season Knicks game? We're two weeks away. And you're like, oh yeah, that's going to be great. Let's beat that team. It never happens for us Knicks fans. They got fans back at the Garden. The first night, Julius Randle, named to the All-Star team, getting MVP chance, showered with MVP chance from 2,000 fans. It sounded like 20,000. And then they lost to the Warriors. But unlike other Knicks teams, the team came right back, won three in a row, over 500. The end of the month of February, 9-5. and five. Their first month over 500 since 2017. Guys, this team is legit. They play hard. They care. They play defense. That's one thing that they do better than any of the 29 other teams in the league. Nobody cares. Nobody plays defense. Nobody plays hard. The Knicks aren't more talented than anyone else in this league. The Knicks aren't better than anyone else in this league. They don't have a great player. They don't have a great scorer. They don't have a great point guard. They don't have it. What's great about this team? They care. They're coached well. They play hard. They play defense. Now, I don't know what defensive rating is, but the Knicks are only second in defensive rating. I think that, that that's a garbage stat because in points allowed per game, the Knicks are first. And isn't that what counts? you got to score more points than the other team. So if the Knicks could be middle of the pack offensively and they can keep up this defensive fight, they will make the playoffs. Now, in a playoff series, you generally need a great player to carry you, to take you to that next step. And I don't think they have it. But if you look at Julius Randle, averaging 24 points, 11 boards, nearly five assists, on 42% shooting from three. I mean, when he puts up 25, 10, and 5, we expect it. Every night, he's putting that up. The dude is truly an all-star. He's totally earned all-star status. I'm so excited. I'm so happy for him that he made it to that game. He's going to get MVP votes if this team keeps it up, and he deserves it. RJ Barrett took the next step. He also shot over over 47% from three in the month of February. Now, I know it's the shortest month, but still. Emmanuel quickly, a rookie no one would have expected. We see guys 
like Kevin Knox, Frank Nilakina are taking steps, albeit inconsistently, but they're taking steps. Listen, this team is moving in the right direction. That's all we wanted. That's all we hoped for. Everything else would have been just the gravy on top. And we got a whole lot of gravy. This is going to be a playoff team. If the playoffs started today, the Knicks would be hosting a playoff series at Madison Square Garden. If I would have told you that a month ago, you would have called me crazy. So enjoy it, Knicks fans. All right, I'm going to shift gears real quick. Then I'm going to come back to NBA. Before that, let me take a quick break to talk about Anchor. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Okay, there's two things I want to talk about. The first is about my New York Rangers, and it's not really a hockey story. So all you anti-hockey people out there, I think this is a truly fascinating story that went down about a week ago that came out with the Rangers. Now, the Rangers have had a troubled season. They've had to deal with a lot of adversity. They have a very young team to begin with. They've had their second year draft pick, who was the second overall pick in the draft last year, miss multiple stretches due to COVID protocol. He's currently out. They've had injuries to key players, one of their top four defensemen, one of their centers, a position they lack, talent in. Their top center from a year ago, and arguably their best player, has completely disappeared. Not in a Kyrie Irving sense, but he's totally not the same player, not putting any production. Their best offensive defenseman got into an altercation earlier this year after being benched and not playing well and really just taking terrible penalties and playing really poorly on the ice. He got benched for some off-ice antics, and then eventually the team had to cut him, move on from him. A guy they just gave a two-year contract to this past offseason, a guy who had an incredible breakout season last year, and now they cut him only a few games into the season. So, like I said, a lot of controversy, a lot going on around this team. But they've stuck together. They've played hard. Have they won a lot of games? No. It's tough. They're playing against division opponents in a tough division every single night. And they have another game tonight against the Buffalo Sabres. But they've stayed together. They play hard in almost every game. And I think they will pull it together once these players come back. But the latest player to go down in the latest story involves arguably their best and most prolific offensive player, Artemi Panarin. Nicknamed the Breadman because his name sounds like Panera Bread. Panarin. He is a Russian hockey player. He led them in goals last year and assists. Was one of the finalists for MVP. One of the top three finalists. He's that good. He's an incredible player and he was having a great season. He's currently not with the team and here's why. Stories came out that Artemi Panarin back in 2011 when he was 19 years old assaulted an 18 year old woman in Latvia. Now right when the story came out it was concerning and alarming. He doesn't seem like that type of player, but who does when these stories come out, right? Unless you're Harvey Weinstein or Bill Cosby or something. But immediately, the New York Rangers stood up and backed Panarin. They said this 
allegation is false, but he'll be taking some time away from the team. Curious, right? Well, here's what happened. This past summer, in June, Artemi Panarin was on a podcast back home in Russia where he talked about Vladimir Putin and he spoke against Vladimir Putin and the Russian government. Now, this is very frowned upon in Russia. Apparently, a pro-Putin writer in Russia for a publication there paid one of Artemi Panarin's former coaches in the KHL who was coaching Panarin in 2011 to fabricate the story about this woman saying that Panarin assaulted this woman. Now, since then, many players who've played under him have come out and said that this coach is a psychopath, has psychotic issues, actually, and he was for sure bribed. There have been no reports of women reporting against Artemi Panarin. There's no history of a court case, a police file, anything. There is zero evidence against Artemi Panarin. Yet he hasn't been with the team in over a week, and who knows how long he'll be out for. Because he's worried about the health and safety of his family back in Russia. Now, if Artemi Panarin were to show up in Russia to try and help them out, he'd be shot on sight. Now, how crazy is that? Yes, there are other, a lot of other Russian hockey players, but they're not so quick to speak up for Artemi Panarin because they're scared for themselves. <laughs> this is true communism. I mean, you may talk about our country and think it's crazy what goes on in our country. Can you imagine? I mean, if you were fearful for your life every time you spoke out against the president over the last five years, we'd lose 85% of Hollywood and professional athletes. So just a crazy, wacky story. I hope Artemi is okay. He's making sure his family is okay. He's trying to get them out of Russia, which will be difficult. But before you go to bed every night, maybe just thank your lucky stars that you are here in the United States and not in Russia. And maybe say a little prayer for Artemi Panarin's health and safety. Quite a story. So I really do hope to see Artemi back on the ice soon. Helping this Ranger team pull it together and win some games, along with Hedl, Capo, Kako, a bunch of other guys that we'd love to have back. Anyway, that's enough Ranger talk for now. The other thing that broke yesterday, and this is my second story, was the J.J. Watt news. Now, he posted it himself, a picture of himself wearing an Arizona Cardinals t-shirt, and he wrote, Source, me. Now, he had a lot of fun with this free agency, posting a lot of different things on Instagram and Twitter in kind of a cute way, not in a Rachel Luba, Trevor Bauer way. Although Rachel Luba tried to compare the two today. She's like, all I wanted for my client was to post his own destination the way uh, JJ Watt did. It's like, well, if that's what you wanted for your client, he should have shut up the entire offseason instead of signing autographs on other teams' paraphernalia. And then maybe he would have been able to announce it in a normal way, the way JJ Watt did. But no, you carried it on for months and months. This went on for about two weeks with JJ Watt with a couple of cute tweets here and there saying free agency is fun or afternoon naps or just random stuff like that. And at the end of the day, he got what he wanted and he got a huge contract that I don't think he'll live up to, quite honestly, although he's arguably a Hall of Fame player, right? A really great player. But we'll see what happens with that team. I think the team, the way it's currently constructed in that division might be the third best team in the division, maybe the fourth best team in that division. I mean, San Francisco went to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Seattle, if they can retain Russell Wilson, they'll be great again. This defense, I think next year will be much improved. They have the talent on the defensive side, just about playing. And obviously, I think Matthew Stafford and the Rams will be really good. Obviously, I think they have the best defense in the division. And I'm not sure if Arizona is even second. That's one story. Now, right when J.J. Watt was cut, or I guess he asked to be released, 
DeAndre Hopkins posted on his social media. He was like, hey, let's finish what we started. Let's do this, all that. And at the end of the day, J.J. Watt did join him. Now, there are rumblings about Deshaun Watson. If you're the Arizona Cardinals and you can reunite those three in Arizona, and you heard the Houston Texans, who can get you a better return than Kyler Murray still on a rookie deal? If you get Kyler and two or three first-round picks, they have a pretty high first-round pick this year, as they weren't that great. You get a bunch of other assets, and you immediately have your new franchise quarterback. Who can offer a better package than that? I mean, I would take that over the Carolina package, which people are saying are, is great, and it is great. You would take it definitely over to a Tonga Vailoa or Sam Darnold. Kyler Murray has shown he is a legit NFL quarterback, and he can be a superstar quarterback potentially. But who says no to that trade, right? If you're the Cardinals, you get Deshaun Watson. You get to reunite him with Watt, Hopkins. You're immediately a Super Bowl contender, I would think, right? I mean, they were good last year. But now you go to great. And if you're the Texans, that to me is the best package you can get. Kyler Murray, still a bunch of picks. I say make it, ha- make it happen. Both sides. Let's do it. Back to the NBA and something I've been screaming about for weeks. Expand the NBA All-Star rosters. Now, I didn't think there was going to be an All-Star game this year. But once I knew there was going to be an All-Star game this year, I hoped Julius Randle would be in the All-Star game. In order for him to partake in the All-Star game, though, that would mean other people were getting left out. Now, there are so many good young stars in the league. I talked about that on last episode. All-Star rosters just need to be expanded at this point. Listen to the list of players who you can consider to be snubs. Now, everyone knows Devin Booker. Now, I said at the time he's going to make it for Anthony Davis anyway, so don't worry about that. And the same thing happened with DeMontis Sabonis, who we weren't sure if he was going to make it, but then he made it also. Bam Adebayo, Chris Middleton, Jeremy Grant, Mike Conley, DeMar DeRozan, De'Aaron Fox. Those guys are putting up incredible numbers and having incredible seasons. If you look at DeMar DeRozan, no one expected the Spurs to be this good. The Spurs playing the Knicks tonight. No one expected them to be this good. And they're incredible because of DeMar DeRozan. DeMar DeRozan is truly an all-star. And people forgot maybe for a couple of years how great of a player he was after he was traded for Kawhi Leonard. And then Kawhi immediately won a championship in Toronto. So, yeah, no, he's not Kawhi Leonard. But he is really good. Bam Adebayo. Now, the Heat have been struggling. They haven't lived up to expectations, although now they've been playing better of late. He's a really good player, and he's putting up great numbers despite the Heat's early woes. So I think he should make it. Jeremy Grant is having a career year now. He might be a good player, good stats, bad team guy, but so is Zach Levine. And Zach Levine made the all-star team, right? Now, Zach Levine's putting up astronomical numbers compared to Jeremy Grant. I get that. But Jeremy Grant has been out of this world. Mike Conley's on the best team in the NBA, and he's their point guard. And he's been every bit that good. Now, I know Sacramento is struggling, but the same thing with De'Aaron Fox. He's totally coming to his own this year. He's doing some great things. The one guy I won't put on this list is Trey Young. If you think Trey Young should be an all-star, just go watch one Hawks game and you'll know, oh, Trey Young shouldn't be an all-star. They just fired their coach. Maybe the new coach can tell him, hey, not every time down the floor you should be trying to draw a foul. Maybe try and actually score the ball or pass or do something on offense. Also, defense is part of the game. Those should, would be the top two things I say to Trey Young if I was given the Hawks head coaching job, which I don't think I'm in the running for, by the way. But if I was, that's what I would tell Trey Young. I'd get in the office, I'd be like, okay, here's what I'm going to do with this team. And we tell Trey Young that he should start passing and trying to score. And I'm going to tell him to play defense. Those would help him be a better basketball player than just trying to get to the line. Now, there's a problem in the league in general. 
with all these touch fouls and stuff. People are so consumed with drawing fouls and it's become league wide. And here's the thing with the challenge, the play and review it and all these things. People are constantly screaming. Every NBA game consists of players screaming, flailing their arms in the air, just like, oh, this is crazy. How's this happening? It needs to be fixed in the league because here's the thing. Nobody wants to watch that. And it's not one guy. It's not one team, although the Lakers complain more than any other team. <laughs> there was a picture of all the Lakers with their arms in the air at once, staring at one ref. It was like 90% of Laker games. And it's true. But then again, those are what the smart teams do. LeBron is doing it. He leads by example, and he should show a better example for the rest of the league. But LeBron's also the smartest player in the league. LeBron knows that if a rule is a certain way, if things can be overturned, if we can scream about things and get our way, then we'll do it. So it's really the officiating and Adam Silver needs to mandate this. They do a better job, right? Eliminate some of these dumb reviews. Eliminate all these things. If it's tipped out of bounds and we're not sure who touched it last, we're going to see if it grazed someone's finger for 15 minutes. All those things should be eliminated because it ruins the game. Anyway, that was really just a Trey Young rant. But all these other players on this list should be all-stars. And if you expand the rosters, no one's going to care. No one is trying to play 30 minutes in an all-star game. It's just supposed to be displaying the league's talent. We're not going to have the matchup this year of Kobe going up against MJ or Kobe going up against LeBron. Some of those great matchups we've had in the past. They've already mixed the two leagues with the talent. And there's going to be a draft of all-star talent. and That should be fun. But we want all the talent to be in there. Get all these young, talented players on the biggest stage. Show your product. It's a good thing for the league. Yes, it should be an honor. It should be selective. You don't want to dilute it. But a lot of these players are deserving and they're held off of it. And who would you take away from the All-Star game? Don't tell me Julius Randle, that's for sure. (laughs) Another guy that people think maybe he's not an All-Star because of his offensive numbers, his lack of shooting, is Ben Simmons. And the argument that people say back to those who argue that Ben Simmons is not an All-Star is this guy is the greatest defensive player we have seen in the past 10 years, maybe. Well, LeBron when he wants to. But Ben Simmons' entire game is reliant on him playing defense because, like I said, he's not that great of an offensive player. So here's the thing. Ben Simmons can guard any position. He can guard Anthony Davis. He can guard LeBron. The next night, he's going to be out there guarding Trey Young or De'Aaron Fox, Damian Lillard, Steph Curry, shooting guards, point guards power forwards, small forwards. He guards nearly every one of the five positions, I guess, outside of center. And he does it well. And he makes an impact. That's a really good defensive team in Philadelphia. And in transition, he's one of the best players. Kind of like Giannis. Giannis is a real transition player. Now, Giannis is a lot better in the half court than Ben Simmons is. But here, what I talked about maybe it was last episode or a couple episodes ago, is what Philadelphia does on offense, where they kind of turned it into a transition for Ben Simmons, where they could get him cutting after Embiid draws a double team. They're putting him positions to play really much better on offense. So his offense is much improved, and he's definitely an all-star on that side of the ball as well. Now, if it was only the offense and not the defense, and yeah, he probably wouldn't be an all-star. But the defense is a big part of it. And we haven't seen a defender like this maybe in a long time. Even LeBron, you don't see him really guarding Curry, Damian Lillard, guys like that, or doing it well. Those guys can blow past him or step back on him. It's really impressive what Ben Simmons can do. My only question is, does it matter? And what do I mean by that? 
the NBA and the way it's played and the rules of the game and the way people play it today, teams are putting up 120 points a game with ease. The Knicks, like I said, lead in points allowed against per game. They give up 104 points per game, and that's the lowest amount of points. So teams are putting up 115, 120 points easily every night. So does it really matter that Ben Simmons can play excellent defense if he has to go up against the Brooklyn Nets in the playoffs? And so maybe he eliminates KD or Harden or Kyrie, one of those three players. And he's not even going to eliminate them because they're still going to put up numbers, right? Is it really going to make a big difference in a, over the course of a seven-game series? I don't think so. Even if he's going up against the Heat and he's kind of limiting Jimmy Butler. Does it really matter if he plays against the Lakers and he limits LeBron James? He's, LeBron's still going to get 20 points, 10 boards, maybe seven assists. So he could lock down one guy all he wants, but I don't think it matters. And I don't think it really changes a playoff series or, yeah, in the regular season, they could win games. And that's impressive, I guess. But I don't know if this carries them to the playoffs. It's the same thing I talked about with the Knicks. I don't think the Knicks can win a playoff series because they can't turn into that next level on the offensive side. And when teams really ramp up in the playoffs, who knows if their defense is going to be able to match that. And even if it does, even if they do hold them to that 104, the other teams are going to ramp up their own defense. You think the Knicks are going to score more than that? So the same thing goes with Ben Simmons. And I think that team's good enough to bias Harris, like I said, coming into zone and different guys playing really well. I think that team's good enough to win despite Ben Simmons' defense. Or I should say, with the help of Ben Simmons' defense, they could win, obviously. It's not despite it. It would be with it. I just don't know how important it is to have such a great defensive player on your team and an individual defender. I understand the rim protector. I understand one guy at the rim. And you don't want Steph Curry going off for 50 points against you every game in a series. And yes, Ben Simmons would deny that. So maybe it is important. I just don't know. I'm, I'm confused about that doesn't really matter in a league where everyone's putting up 130 points that you have a guy who's an excellent perimeter defender. Now, not to make Ben Simmons sound like just a defender, because there's something else that he does this year. In addition to the transition offense and the cutting, creating transition, the guy on both sides of the ball, both on the defensive side and the offensive side, he does something where he kind of just lurks. Now, the first time I saw Adam Fox, a defenseman for the New York Rangers, the first time I saw him in person, I said, this guy is going to be the best player on the team, maybe one of the best defensemen in the league. And this year, the rest of the league is starting to take notice. That was the last season in his rookie year that I saw him live. Why? Because I always saw that a few seconds before the play actually happened, he was in the spot where the play was going to be. Before the play developed, his anticipation was so much better than anyone else's on the ice. That's something that you don't see often in basketball. You don't see that type of anticipation, either on the offensive side, where the offensive rebound is going to be, where the broken play is going to end up or he's always in the perfect spot both on the offensive and defensive side Ben Simmons is and that's something that you can't teach it's something that I've never seen in the NBA really where it's just a skill it's not even a skill it's just a sense a fifth sixth sense of knowing where to be the perfect spot on the floor at all times and Ben Simmons has that and I think that's part if you watch him of what makes him such an incredible player and different than just your average really good transition guy or really good defender so that's something that's different and maybe sets him apart a couple other stories i'm going to run through in the nba and then i'm going to wrap it up last night may have been the greatest single game i've seen from james harden in his career the guy played 44 minutes had 30 points 15 
assists, and 14 rebounds. Triple-double, guys do it all the time. 30 points, not crazy. Guys do it all the time. 15 assists, yeah, it's a lot, but guys do it from time to time. He had zero turnovers. He turned the ball over zero times. This is the best version of James Harden we have seen. Better than any of the Houston Rockets versions. I don't know what it is here. Maybe he's bought in. We haven't even seen him and KD so much. We haven't seen him, KD and Kyrie, all three together at all, barely. But this Nets team is 9-1 and one in their last 10 games. And that is the best version. And I hate to say this. Because, trust me, I hate this Nets team. And as much as I love James Harden, and I always have, I don't love him as much as I hate the Nets. But this is the best version of him we've seen. 44 minutes, zero turnovers. That would be incredible for a guy who barely touched the ball. If he was Joe Harris just taking 15 shots. But he's not. He scored 30 points. He had the 14 rebounds and the 15 assists. He was running the offense the entire time, touching the ball every possession. And he did not turn the ball over a single time. That's incredible. Something else we saw last night was the Jazz, the best team in the league, played the Pelicans. Now, I talked about the Jazz, and I talked about the Pelicans. Now, the Pelicans, this is what they can do theoretically. The Pelicans can be this good. And I talked about how, you know, it's weird. Why are they not this good? I guess they're young. But listen to these numbers. Lonzo Ball had 23 points, 8 assists, 7 rebounds. Ingram had 26 points. Zion had 26 points. Redick threw in another 17 off the bench. That's an unbeatable team if they can do that. If they can all play with each other and share the ball the way they did last night, that team can actually grow together. We talked about what the future of that team might look like. It might look like what it looked like last night against one of the league's best teams. Now, I have an interesting dilemma tonight. And this is the first time I talked about how I circled the date on my calendar for the Knicks game on March 15th, which is coming up against the Nets. And I talked about how my father's going to come on. We'll talk about that game. We'll preview that game before that game. Hopefully the Knicks can keep playing well up until that point. Tonight they play in San Antonio at 8.30 p.m. And my Rangers play at 7 p.m. Now in the past, I'm a big hockey fan. It would have been a no-brainer. Just watch the Ranger game. The Knicks stink. Why watch them? Now, I don't know if the Knicks are going to win tonight, guaranteed. But I know they're going to put in an effort. I know they're going to be fun. I'm actually going to pick the Knicks game over the Ranger game. Or at least have a dilemma about it. That's how fun the Knicks have been. It's the first time I could say that in a while. Anyway, all that's coming up. A whole lot more. Again, look forward to those episodes. Mike Knight, I'm going to be on their network. They're going to be on my podcast. And then also, if you look out for the Ellie Kligman episode, they're going to both drop during spring training at some point. So really good episodes coming up. All that and a whole lot more. Until next time, this has been the talk show. Rami, go follow me on social. All that good stuff. See ya.
up the road, take it in, take it with you when you go. Who says you can't?